Welcome back to another episode of Women Blazers. I'm your host, Tiana Witter, and I am excited to have Abby Mathis as our featured guest. Abby serves as the Senior Director of Premium Hospitality Development for the Cleveland Cavaliers. As a natural competitor most of her life, Abby had aspirations of going pro as a soccer player and found herself going pro as a key contributor in the front office of a professional sports team. Now, I had the pleasure of having Abby as a member of my team while I was at the Cavs, and I can share with experience, Abby leads with compassion, works to deliver greatness, and she is honest, not just with others, but truly with herself, which I find is a rare and quality characteristic in leaders and incredible people such as Abby. I want to take a moment to thank Turnkey ZRG for supporting Women Blazers. Turnkey ZRG is a top talent search firm in sports, entertainment, and media. We appreciate Turnkey's role in advancing gender equity in our industry. Abby, it's always nice to connect with you. I'm so happy that you joined me on Women Blazers and that that we've known each other. I just, I'm, I'm so proud of you. I think you're doing incredible things. I can't wait to see your continued growth and the, the additional impact you'll make on this industry. Thanks, Dee. So are you. I appreciate <laughs> this. I'm so honored. Thank you for having me. Now, Abby, you went to Eastern Washington University to play soccer. Um, and being an athlete was a big part of um, your, your college experience. But how did you get into sports and how has sports um, impacted your, your experience getting into school and, and some of the decisions you made from there? Yeah, so I actually started playing um, sports when I was eight. And my mom, she, you know, the way that I was as a kid was very energetic, this feisty, outgoing, which not much has changed, right? I say, really? Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is who I am. Here I am, world. And so she was like, all right, we got to get you into, into something. Um, and I ended up falling in love with soccer. I mean, I pretty much did everything. Um, but soccer was really where um, I fell in love. And I actually started playing competitive soccer when I was 11. And for me, you know, being this, this athlete and, and really having big dreams, when I tell you, D, I can't believe that I am where I am today because I wanted to be this professional soccer player. I wanted to play Division One soccer at UNC. I wanted to be the next Mia Hamm. I thought <laughs> I had it all mapped out. That's what I wanted. I mean, I went to UNC and met Anson Dorrance, and, and I was just dead wow. set on that, right? But little did I know, as I was grooming myself, training myself, so to speak, on getting ready to try to be a professional soccer player, pl- try to play at a Division One level, here I am learning how to be disciplined, um, my work ethic, and my commitment to something um, such as soccer was really indirectly grooming me for where I'm at today and being in a leadership role. Whereas, you know, even though my big dream didn't work out, you know, God obviously had a different plan, but I'm forever grateful for my upbringing and how sports really did help shape me, um, especially even being a team player and being on a team, right, and learning Mm -hmm. those lessons. So forever grateful for that and how I grew up because it definitely um, helped me get to where I am today and in just a different roundabout way. 
Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. I mean, similar. I, I started playing sports at eight years old. Being an athlete shaped my, my you know, growth into who I became as an adult as well. I feel like I'm, I'm an athlete now of this, this industry. Right. And as you talk about this concept um, or this perspective of being an athlete and, and you, you were at a point where you, you, you were working very hard to become a professional athlete. Yep. How did that transition for you mentally um, I would imagine that there there could be listeners that are thinking about right now that transition of you're going down a path towards something. How do you transition the goal in a way in which you're not you respect that to your point, like God has a has a plan for you? How do you accept that path? Well, it was definitely hard um, to you know have your mind set and have this vision, right? And then it was a complete you know 180 and. So just to give more background, um, after I had graduated um, from college and the reality set in that I, I was not going to be playing professional soccer anywhere, it was time to make new decisions. I went back home uh, to Las Vegas where I'm from, from born and raised, and I worked at the front desk at the Monte Carlo Hotel. That was actually <laughs> the same year that the NBA All-Star um, game was, was in Las Vegas. So I got to experience that. And little did I know I'd be working in the NBA one day. But here I am working at the front desk. I'm starting to get um, the customer service experience. I'm just trying to get my, my first job, really. Um, I did that for a little under a year. And then that was like a temporary stop for me because I, I wanted to, to go back up to Washington. I wanted to, to get my own job. I actually had what I thought was a job lined up for the apartment guide in sales. This is not no, no oh, job. Wow. Here I am thinking... <laughs> I'm going to be in sales. My mom, who owns her own publication in Las Vegas, she's like, it's sales. You can do it. It didn't work out. They didn't end up hiring me. Here I am rejected again, right? I'm not a professional soccer player. I can't even get a sales <laughs> job for the apartment <laughs> guy magazine. What, what am I doing with my life? So then to make ends meet living in Washington, um, which is not cheap, I had to move from Renton, Washington out to Federal Way, Washington into uh, a three-bedroom, two-bath apartment trying to make ends meet, working now at Red Robin as a uh, waiter, trying to just pay my bills. I did that for a little under a year, but being in the restaurant industry, right, and being a waiter and, and having those interactions and building rapport and mm -hmm. that, again, I really enjoyed that, especially working under pressure and trying to manage different tables. It was just, it, it was fun in a roundabout way. But I, I yeah. ended up going back to um, an alumni soccer game um, back at Eastern. And after my game, my coach pulled me aside and he said, Abby, what are you doing with your life? What's going on? I said, look, I'm, I'm waiting, you know, tables. I, I don't know, coach. I, I just, I, I thought I had it all figured out and I don't. And he said, well, Jamie Morningstar, I just spoke with her. She was just here. She's Jamie Morningstar at the time was the inside sales manager for the Seattle Sonics and Storm. And she was going around to, to colleges in the state looking to recruit athletes into her inside sales program. So he gave me, he gave me her card and said, call her. So I called Jamie. I actually remember the call as if it was yesterday. I mean, we just, <laughs> it was just bizarre, right? Cause it was a very long time ago, but Jamie and I on the phone hit it off. I was like, this, she seems great. This could work. I, I guess I could, I could do this. So she ended up calling me in um, for a group interview and I got lucky. I, I, I apparently did really well and she ended up hiring me. And I'll share this story because she tells everybody this still to this day. Um, and I, I think you, I, you I know, know where this, I'm going. I, say, I know this story. I know this yeah. story. And I love yeah, it. Yeah, you know, it. you know where I'm going with this. 
Um, I, I show up my first day with um, jeans on. Now they were a very nice, <laughs> they were a very nice pair of jeans. I thought I looked very nice, um, by the way. But she definitely looked at me and said, no, go home. Now, the offices are in downtown Seattle. So if anybody knows the Washington area, okay, I live in Federal Way and downtown <laughs> Seattle, not close. So I had to get up every morning at 5 a.m., get dressed and get on the 6.30 bus to bus to downtown oh to get to, to work on time because the, the offices are literally in the heart of downtown Seattle. So I had to bus back. I hated her in that moment. Um, but little did I know, like she is helping me become a professional because I didn't even know how to even dress appropriately. You know, here I am. Right. I mean, I'm just, I was young, um, and just trying to, to be out into the world in the corporate world. So, um, I'm forever, you know, thankful for her for helping me for that, but she does still tell everybody that. So I'll never live it down. <laughs> and that's awesome. And so JB was number, uh, episode two of season one. So everybody's listening. You can go back to, yes, she's fantastic. <laughs> to season one, episode two. But yes, Jamie is fantastic. Now with the, the New York Knicks, yep. actually. And so you join Inside Sales. You're no longer wearing jeans. Correct. <laughs> I love that thing. And you're, <laughs> you got your professional in this town. You know, um, and you're inside sales. So like, what was that inside sales experience like for you? You'd already sort of dabbled in sales. You realized you weren't great at it at first, yep. or maybe it didn't work yep. out for you. Um, you know, how, how, how was that experience for you once you were in inside yeah. sales? So um, <laughs> again, I'm as an athlete, right? My whole life, this competitive spirit that I have, that's just in my DNA, right? And you see this whiteboard um, every day you walk in and it's just, it's strategically placed right at the front of the room where <laughs> people that walk by the inside sales room can see it. So seeing my name at the bottom um, was never, you know, anything that, you know, anyone really enjoys, right? But it, it motivates you, right? You, you definitely don't want to be at the bottom. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you want to continue to push yourself to work hard, to, to work your way up the ladder. And I struggled at first, full transparency, I struggled. And it was very hard for me because I was used to being the best and wanting to be the best, so to speak. And it was not, it, it was not easy at first. And then also when I had started, that was also when the Seattle Sonics were in conversations of potentially moving to Oklahoma City. So then everyone right. that I'm talking to is pretty much, it's, it's a very tough conversation. It's a very passionate fan base and relatively so like they, you know, they were losing their team. So that learning how to deal with a market that pretty much is telling you every time you call somebody that, you know, they hate you and a lot of other vulgar things um, <laughs> was not very encouraging. Um, but I'm very thankful that Jamie, she saw something in me and she made time to meet with me, to coach me, to, she connected with me and knew how to speak to me and what I needed to really get my mind to a better place and to build the mental toughness and to stop being my own worst enemy. And um, apparently I did well enough, um, because she did ask me to move to Oklahoma city when the team relocated. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, yeah, I mean, as you described that experience, what a challenging situation. I mean, you're selling this team that's moving. So why would anybody invest in a team that's not going to be there for a long time and, and they're moving So that, that conversation just makes it that much more challenging, which obviously made you a stronger seller. Right. And to your point, that mental toughness that you're able to get coaching from with Jamie, but also in the experiences that you had. Um, and then, as you mentioned, the Supersonics um, actually did move to Oklahoma City and you were there during that move and you got this invite to go. So what ultimately inspired you to make the move? 
did you have other options or was it like a no brainer for you? I'm going to Oklahoma city. This makes sense. This is my job. This is my opportunity. Yeah, it was a, it was a no brainer for me. And here's another reason why, because I don't, I don't want to take away from the fact that the Seattle storm, um, that's all that team is, is phenomenal. That yeah. organization was phenomenal. And I, I had the opportunity to sell, um, and service a little bit when I was, was there. And that's where I started to, really fall in love with the relationship side and the servicing side. Mm-hmm. And I told Jamie, I said, look, I like the sales process. Don't get me wrong, but I like fostering these relationships. I like to be able to build rapport and then try to upsell. And she said, well, if you make this move to Oklahoma city, you are part of building a franchise. So you're going to go there and be an account executive. We're going to sell this thing out. And then from there, they're going to build teams. So depending on really where your passion is and what you want to do, if you go there and perform well, I will help you get into a service and retention role where I think you will really thrive. And I said, all right, let's do it. I had no strings attached to Seattle, Washington. I packed up my little Jeep Cherokee and actually it was a Jeep <laughs> Compass. That wasn't that, that high end. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I do. Love, I love my Jeeps. So I packed up my little Jeep and I drove all the way from um, Federal Way, Washington down to Oklahoma City where I spent four years there. And it was amazing. What's interesting is I want to just touch on for a second is, is the relationship you have with Jamie and the um, just the transparency and the opportunity that you have to just share sort of your goals, the things you like. I mean, not everybody has that openness. Like, is there anything in terms of maybe a way in which Jamie, how she expressed herself as a leader to be accessible to you and provide a, um, an environment that, of comfort? Or is it, and then at the same time, maybe it's you just being a little bit more assertive and aggressive um, to be open to share the things that you want and the things you're, you know, that you're working toward. What, what is that dynamic for you? And did, you know, and how do you sort of break through to, to be so transparent and open? Right. So, and that's a great question. And luckily given Jamie's leadership, that also was the type of leadership that I had under Carlos Kesbers and Chris Sorrells when I transitioned into like the retention um, service side of the, um, of the business for the OKC Thunder. So after my, my four years there, I, I kind of felt like I hit my ceiling and I was ready to do more. Yeah. And with, without doubt, I knew when I was ready that I could pull Carlos and I could pull Chris into a room and say, I want to do more. I'm ready for more. I don't know if the growth is here. If it's not here, can you help me get there somewhere else? I, I love yeah. it here. It's nothing against the organization. It's that I just, I need more. And they were so supportive and they totally understood that. And they said, look, we can't give you any more. Like we've given you as much as we possibly <laughs> can and you've been great, but we will help you if that's truly what you want. And I said it was, and it, it was, it was crazy how it all came together, D, because not even a week later, I'm getting an email in the subject line says Cleveland Cavaliers position. First thought is no way I'm not going to Cleveland. Again, I'm a a Vegas (laughs) girl, Vegas girl up to Washington, Washington to Oklahoma, Oklahoma and how Cleveland could I get any further away from my family? They're going to start taking this personal. So this is what I'm thinking. Um, And it's Cleveland. I was like, no way, but I definitely wanted to at least go through the process and, and talk to the leadership team um, here and and see what it's like. I heard great things about um, Brad Sims, especially. So um, I told Carlos, I would be happy to, to jump on a call. Um, And then that's when it all started. 
It's it's funny because when I talked to Shelly last season yeah. and, and I shared the same story, like everybody was like, no Cleveland. Like, isn't it yeah. like, mm-hmm. gosh, we got to do better in branding Cleveland because Cleveland's a fantastic city, by the way. But to your point, it's about the people. Um, you had a good, good relationship and heard good things about Brad Sims, who also what, what also attracted me to go to Cleveland as well. Um, but also um, this, this idea of just take the call. Right. Like you don't even know what the opportunity is. And so often we say no to something without even exploring what it could do or the impact it could have, or that it could truly be the, the fit. I mean, I'm sure you're sitting here today, not realizing that you would be, you know, in Cleveland now for what, over eight years. Yeah, is that eight right? And a half. Yep. I mean, you would have never, you probably, you couldn't have bet on that no. from, from Vegas. <laughs> that was going to be never. the case. My first call was with AJ Bondi and it was a very easy conversation. And still to this day, like I, I told you, D, like he's just, it's just great. Yin and yang, we just work together. And then my other call was with Nick Barlage, who at the time was the vice president of ticket sales and service. And I thought the conversation went really well, but at the end of the conversation, and he probably doesn't even remember this, but I remember as I was trying to sell myself, I started talking about CRM because it was like the newest thing and how I was like the CRM power user. And, and I had asked him, Nick, are you familiar with CRM? Do you know CRM? And he was like, yeah, I know CRM. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to think like, I think he's stupid. Like he's never going to call. Like I just, it was just like, you just don't, I mean, everybody knew CRM. I was just new to CRM and it was just, I was like, right. oh gosh, I just, I just ruined this. But um, <laughs> they, I, they ended up um, calling me the next day, thankfully. And um, they wanted to fly me up here to Cleveland. And so I spent the day up here. They put me through the gauntlet, as um, I'm sure you know, where we talked to like 10 yes, people. We call it. Yep. yep, we talked to 10 people. <laughs> That's really- I, I definitely blacked out at one point during my conversation with Nick because it was so such a long day and I hadn't eaten anything. But um, going through that process with the leadership team was truly incredible because I got to see just how talented and special the leadership team was. And... I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to be, if I was going to move, if I was going to leave OKC, which was had great leadership, a great organization, great culture, I wanted to go somewhere where I was going to, it was going to be on the same level, if not higher. And I felt that. And I wanted to be around leaders that were going to inspire me, that were going, that I could learn from and that were going to push me. And I left um, the same day and I called home and I said, mom, if they call me tomorrow and offer me a job, I'm in. And that's exactly what happened. And here I am eight and a half years later. That's incredible. That's, that's a great story. And it, it just, it's just, it's amazing too, because um, like I, like I said, you know, the, sometimes moving um, is scary, but making a move, um, you just never know what's on the other right. side. And there's so much opportunity and positivity, uh, positive things that could happen by you making that move. Um, essentially something that you might not even, even took the call right. for. Um, which is, which is, which is incredible. And, and when you got there, you were a manager. Yep. So you were a manager of membership development and activation, um, reporting up to AJ, mm-hmm. if I recall. Yep. Um, and you started to be a part of this development of this, of the membership mm-hmm. model that started there, yeah. um, as well. So, which is, which is amazing. And you got to teach everybody about CRM yep. and <laughs> <laughs> not really, <laughs> but yes, yes. Let's just go with that. Yep. So over the, so over the last eight and a half years, 
you know, um, and I was lucky enough to be be there at the Cavs as well. So I, I joined up with you, I think, after you were there for maybe yeah. two years, I believe. Um, you were there two years and I got there. But um, so I got to see you grow from director to senior director of premium hospitality mm-hmm. before I came here to Houston. Um, what's now in your new role, right? So you serve as the senior director of premium hospitality and development. Yep. You know, what are the main responsibilities of, of your current role and um, how did that role sort of develop? Yeah, so... Really, it's to sell all of our premium inventory and to service um, our premium stakeholders and suite holders. Um, you know, we're, we're structured um, pretty different than most NBA teams, I would say. Um, you know, Dee, because you were here, obviously, when I made, um, made that move. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I'll say this, perception, I think, is key, right? Because anyone could have looked at what I did um, as a way that I kind of pigeonholed myself or I kind of limited myself, but really the way that I, I looked at it and I chose to look at the opportunity um, when I transitioned into that, the premium space is that I have the ability in this premium hospitality development role to really um, take on all of the floor seat inventory, which is predominantly the area that I am responsible for along with my three managers and also the three floor seat clubs. We are responsible for selling and servicing that. And then you have AJ Bondi who oversees all of suites, but I get to work hand in hand with when it comes to suites. So it's not very territorial where it's only, only we have floor seats and his team has suites. It's a nice um, variety mm-hmm. um, of the books that our, our managers um, service so that they can have um, a very diversified um, skill set when it comes to selling new business, um, retaining premium stakeholders, extending contracts servicing suite holder accounts, selling suite leases. And then you have um, AJ, I'm sorry, Andy Bradshaw, who over directly oversees mm-hmm. all of sales, right? So all three of us work very closely on selling and servicing our premium stakeholders. And for me, I looked at it as a way to learn as much as I can from Andy and how he leads and how um, he sells. Same thing with AJ when it comes to premium sales and service. And then really kind of make it my own and figure out how I, how I want to do it, how I want to lead my team. Um, we're all unique. We, you know, there's not, it's not three Abbeys, right? It's everyone has their own yeah. personality and we each bring something unique to the table. And I think that's very important because again, I, I go back to like the, the diversity and thought and having um, just the opportunity to really um, learn from others. Now, as, as you mentioned, you know, the structure is, is not like most teams and, and it's because, um, the Cavaliers had gone through that that significant trans- transformation, and what I, and I, you know, when I was there, um, one of the things I was really focused on when when you were on my team was um, developing you into a VP of ticket sales. <laughs> and I, I think I think what's really um, what I always really respected about your approach to growth is that you're very methodical in in a way in which you know areas in which you want to be extremely confident in your in your roles and so you you have this approach of wanting to go wide right and so when you took the premium path you know I don't think it was anywhere in the terms of like as you described potentially pigeonhole it was that is your method method uh, method to continue to grow in a way that you're confident as you continue to take those next steps um so so that leads me into my next question in terms of you know, what has been your approach to internal growth um, from at a personal level? And then, you know, and that's both um, personally, well, basically personally, as you, as you grow into this, into different leadership roles or different, 
areas of the business. Yeah, I'll say this too. And that was actually, that was a, a very nice compliment, Dee, by the way. I had to very, be very honest with myself. And I'm not also in a rush, by the way. Um, and if I, yeah. and I had to have a very honest conversation with myself. And I think that's very, very important um, to know mm-hmm. yourself and know your worth and where you're at. And I knew I had an opportunity to learn more about the premium space. And I had never been a part of a transformation project. Yes, I had the Oklahoma City project and building that franchise under my belt and got to put that on my resume. But to be a part of what the Cavs organization did and to transition into continuing to sell the transformation project and then build a premium membership model was something that I had never dreamt I would do or thought that I really needed exposure to. And to me, it, it, it was a no brainer because I felt like it's an opportunity to be a part of something that um, was new and incredible, excited me. And I, I fully embraced that. And I was more than happy to take on that, that new opportunity. For your, for your pro- professional growth, you know, how important was it or has it been having great mentors and supporters? I mean, you've been surrounded by great leaders um, in great organizations and what's something meaningful you feel like you've learned from them? Um, if you could almost like bucket it into one in one, um, category, I would say understanding the value of positive relationships, um, with everyone in the organization, you know, it's very easy for anyone that's, that's up and coming, wanting to get in the industry, wanting to get into leadership. Um, cause I will say that this, I, I'm guilty of this. You, you go into this leadership role and you're tr- immediately trying to prove yourself. Like I deserve a seat at the table. Yeah. I've earned this role. I'm going to show you why. I'm going to show my team why. And you're also, knowing my background, I was competitive. I was very much um, about myself and showing my sales numbers and my retention numbers. But it's no longer about you. You have to become completely selfless. It is about your mm-hmm. team, your people, how you're growing them, how you're developing them making sure they have all the tools and the resources. And so when you get into this, like this tunnel vision, right, you lose sight of all the other resources and people in the organization that are there to help and to make your job easier, to make your life easier. And if you were to say, if there's one thing that I wish I would have known when I first started that I know now is that I would have immediately mm-hmm. had relationships, gone to know, team members on the business intelligence team, on our marketing team, on our CR team, on our, um, on our ticket operations team, because without them and their support and their input and what they're able to, to provide, I couldn't do my job, let alone do it at, at the highest level. So right. it, it, it all comes down to having relationships. And then also there's, there's an appreciation there too. Um, and making sure that everyone understands that you appreciate you know, their worth and, and what, what they're, they're doing. Cause we're, it's a team effort. You, you are truly operating as a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team and you have to recognize um, the work that everyone is doing. So what is your approach to building those trusted um, collaborative relationships across other teams? I mean, something we were talking about before we even got onto the, onto the podcast recording was like, you get sucked into your job, your goals, your priorities that have to do with delivering your job, your core responsibilities. Um, so it takes effort. So how do you how do you output that effort? Yeah, I think um, first and foremost, you have to be authentic yeah. um, and be yourself, right? And I think scheduling time when you're taking someone from the marketing team that you're going to work closely with 
for lunch, for coffee, whatever it is, just finding that one-on-one time and being authentic and trying to come from a place of learning and asking questions. Okay, let me understand your role and how your role impacts what I do. How does my role impact what you do? Where are the opportunities for us to bridge the gap? Um, Where do you think we do things really well? I think when you take that approach and it's people feel like, okay, she really does have the, the best intentions and wants to be a team player and she does want to collaborate and is, it's not an us first them or um, a competitive situation. Shifting gears a little bit, getting out of sort of the professional realm. Um, I always like to touch on sort of lifestyle. Um, I've completely gotten rid of the word work-life balance because you and I know that does not exist. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, let's talk like a little bit outside of work. I mean, I follow you. We're friends and I follow you on Instagram yeah. and everything. You got a new puppy. You've been yeah. working out. Like you are just on this, like, I, I want a piece of your life. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I want a piece of your life. So <laughs> there you go. Up. We'll train every once in a while. Um, yeah. you know, how do you structure and manage your lifestyle so it works for you? What are some of the things you do um, outside of work that, that really fulfills you? So, and I love that you're asking this question because I hope that every listener, they can just walk away with, with one thing um, mm-hmm. from this is that, you know, 2019, 2020, especially like was for me personally, a very difficult time in my life. Um, and even though it was difficult for me personally, I was able to almost like find myself in a different way and see myself in a different light where being in a leadership role and having a team that that counted on me and relied on me and looked up to me, it was, it was almost like I had this, this moment of clarity that, Abby, if you don't take care of yourself, then you're not going to be good for your team or anyone else in your life. So you have to make sure that you prioritize what your needs are outside of work, because it's so easy just to get caught up in work. And then Mm -hmm. you just, it's all you do and you consume yourself and then you don't take care of yourself. And then eventually it does start to impact your work. Right. Right. So for me, my, I don't like, to your point, I don't like the work life balance, but I, I do have boundaries where I will know, in the mornings, like I have to spend time with this crazy pup, um, Wolfgang, because he will make me crazy all day. But I spend time, I, I meditate. Um, I've gotten into yoga. I love to read. I obviously like to work out. I will make time. Everyone can make time for the things that they know are important to them. It, 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 it's, it's that simple. And I have committed to that. And so for this, for me to have this, this health and wellness space now as a part of my life, I truly believe it has changed me, not only as a person and as a friend and as a daughter, but also as a leader. Yeah. Um, and, and I hope, you know, because again, 2020 was obviously very difficult and for a lot of people and very, very sad. And, you know, I remember having a conversation with my mother and she said, look, there's three ways you can come out of this when it's all said and done. You can come out of it the same person, you can come out of it worse, or you can come out of it better than you've ever been. You get to decide it's your choice. And I said, I'm coming out of this better than ever. And I committed to the things that I thought were, were, were important to me, like the yoga, the meditating, the reading, the taking care of the self-love stuff, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and it has 
you know, really helped me be better for my team and just a better leader and a better teammate as well. That's fantastic. I, I, I mean, that's, it's inspirational too, because as, as you said, you know, um, whether you're going through something hard and how you sort of coach yourself out of it, you know, and finding things that, that bring you joy and balance yourself. Um, and then obviously, yes, this year has been extremely challenging for so many people. And I love that perspective is that only we can choose how this past year can impact us. We're in control of that. And we always talk about, obviously, in, in, in our industry, we talk a lot about the controllables, control what you can control. We control right. how you feel, um, your mindset, and those boundaries. You get to set those boundaries, um, right. which I think is extremely impactful and just a great takeaway. You know, one, one thing that I also want to touch on is, is something that you've been working on um, and leading at the Cavs is this new Empower Her platform. Tell us more about that and just your work and some of the, the, the great things that the Cavs are doing um, at the forefront of, of empowering women um, there at your organization. So, Deanna, can you hear, I hear your dog? Oh! I love the dog. You're good. I'm not cutting that. Go ahead. So I'm very fortunate to um, have been elected um, the chairperson for uh, the Empower Her team, which is our, our female TMRG. It is um, definitely a blessing to be in a position where I get to inspire and motivate and highlight all of the incredible women in our organization, um, especially the ones that are they're even part-time or they're kind of behind the scenes and all the work that they do that doesn't get recognized. Yeah. So that has been amazing. And then just getting to know more of the women in the organization and how incredible they are and how special they are. And something that which I feel like keeps coming up as a theme is the whole self-worth that a lot of women, you know, they, they don't realize truly how special they are in all of their gifts. And I'm really hoping that I could throughout this, this term it's a one year mm -hmm. term really help women see that, see their value and lead by example to where they feel more comfortable and confident to ask for the promotion or ask for the raise or say, Hey, I'm ready to do more and, and not be afraid to have those conversations because, or say, Hey, I'm not comfortable with this project. I think we need to do this differently because I, I find that a lot of, a lot of our women aren't necessarily comfortable um, in yeah. that space and they need to have a voice and giving them a voice um, is powerful. And, and I love the fact that I get to, to play a part in that. Yeah. I think it's incredible that, you know, you guys continue to build off that platform and, you know, I love the new name and I think it's fantastic. Congratulations on being voted the, the chair, because I think you're just a perfect you know, leader to do it. One, you're, you have a no fear mentality of sort of tackling, you know, big topics and subjects like um, value, self-worth, and cr helping create an environment to continue to do that. So to close it up, I'd love to hear um, what advice would you have for our listeners who are, li who are looking to grow their careers in this industry? What advice would you provide them? You have to be able to have an incredible work ethic because if you want to really, truly be great in this industry and make an impact you have to be able to, to out hustle everyone and, and want to out hustle everyone and let that be a huge driving factor for you to be the best. You have to be coachable. That's important. 
um, and I would say um, mental toughness because it's it, this is not easy having the, the mental toughness to to overcome setbacks and challenges and, and being rejected and being told no numerous times and then questioning yourself to be able to get over that um, is, is important. And then also being able to take risks, smart risks, um, to, to really get yourself um, to the next level because you have, to, you have to be fearless. And I love that you called me fearless earlier, by the way, Dia. You are fearless. That is a huge compliment. And that's a wrap on episode 23. Thank you to Abby for sharing her experiences and insights with all of us today. As a thank you, our friends at Turnkey ZRG has purchased a one-year membership for her to join the Pro Sports Assembly, an industry member-led association helping advance equity in professional sports. I invite you to follow us on Instagram at Women Blazers to stay connected and to get engaged with the Women Blazers Network. And look forward to episode 24, featuring Neda Tabatebi, Vice President of Business Analytics and Technology for the San Jose Sharks of the NHL. Until next time, have a wonderful week.